We are alive. We have been created. You are alive and created to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever and ever and ever. How are we to do that? What does it mean to glorify God? It means to live your life passionate and focused to have your life applauding Christ. Whether you eat or drink, anything as mundane or routine as eating or drinking or whatever you do, we are created to give him applause, to boast in Christ. Paul said he boasted in the cross when Christ went to the cross to take God's punishment that he did not deserve, to accept sin, disobedience against the holy God, Jesus went to the cross to boast in what he accomplished, applauding him, boasting in him, and yes, celebrating him. All of life as a celebration of what he accomplished because of who he is. You are created to applaud him, to boast in him, to celebrate him, and to enjoy him now in this life and forever. How are we to do this? What is necessary? What is required? How can we do this? Especially when life is hard. It's difficult. When you're going through crisis after crisis after crisis, how are we to do this? The Lord gives us help for today and hope for tomorrow, in going through crisis and pain and suffering and disappointments in this life. For that's the very context of 1 Peter. Peter is writing this letter originally to God's people, Christians who are suffering They're being abused and beaten, and they're literally running for their lives because of those who are bringing such cruelty. They are literally going into other places to live, to escape their refugees. They're strangers. They don't belong. They're outsiders. They are the dispersed. And we have this letter written to encourage, to give help for today as you're suffering and give you hope for tomorrow because it may become even worse. It may become even worse. So here we have this letter. Look at these words he gives us. Look at what he says. There are three truths here I want us to see, three truths that we're to see. The first truth is this. Look at it. Remember, 
Christ may return at any moment. Christ may return at any moment. That's what he says. Look at that verse that is before us in verse 7. We're seeing Christ may return at any moment. That is to give you encouragement. Peter is saying to those 2,000 plus years ago, we're in the end times. Now you may say, wait a minute. We're in the end times. Was he mistaken? (laughs) Did he really believe that he was living in the end times? Do you believe we're living in the end times? The Bible says yes. We are and he was. What is the end time? Folk, when you see about the end times in Scripture, here it is. The end times began when Jesus Christ was resurrected from death to life. That's when it began. It will end when he comes back to this earth. That's the end time. When he was resurrected on that third day, end time is until he comes back. All of this is the end of time. Remember, God's understanding of time is not like ours, and ours is certainly not like his. The Bible teaches this. To God, a thousand years, For us is as one day. And one day is as a thousand years. Peter was right. Finding encouragement. We're living in the end times. We are living in between that day when he was resurrected, that Sunday morning, and until he comes back. Look at 1 Peter 4, 7. 1 Peter 4, 7, 11. The end of all things is at hand. We are living in the end times. Therefore, therefore, how are we to live? Because we're in the end times, how are we to live out daily, daily? How are we to live? Two ways. Look at the words. Self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. First, because we're in the end times, we're to live self-controlled lives, sober-minded. What does that mean? Self-controlled. Family, we're all controlled by something or someone. Every one of us. We are living under the control of another. Their influence, their impact. It can be culture. It can be the opinions. It can be the music. But we're dominated by some form of thinking, sober-minded. Live under the control. Self-control means under the control of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says live by the Spirit. 
Be led by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Who is controlling you? Your thoughts, your words, your behavior. Who is influencing the way you live? It must be the Holy Spirit. If you're going to live, we're going to live in such a way that pleases him. And secondly, self-controlled by the Holy Spirit, sober-minded. The thinking controls our heart. Our heart controls our life. Are you grounded? Are you pursuing to be grounded in the Scriptures? What does the Bible say about all that you're facing? Sober-minded, clear thinking, biblically. Are you thinking biblically? It takes reading the Bible. It takes serious study of the Bible. How are you doing, family? How are you doing? Is the Bible controlling what you believe and the way you live? And then are you living those truths out under the authority of the Holy Spirit in your own study and learning together with others? It's not just you and Christ. It's us together as family. Studying together, learning together, that you live controlled by the Holy Spirit under the authority of Scripture for the sake of your prayers. Very important what he adds there. Folk, we may talk. We may live, we may pray eloquent prayers, but if we're not in right relationship with others and with Christ, our prayers may be grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. For right here in this same letter, husbands are warned about being kind and thoughtful and considerate of their wives so that nothing will hinder their prayers. It's who we are in private that has such an impact on who we are. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. The scriptures must be your authority. Lived out by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 8. Above all, Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, what he is saying here. Keep loving one another earnestly. So often, that word love, we just use it and use it and use it. But what does it mean to really love? First, it means obedience to Christ. Christ says, if you love him, we will keep his commandments. You got to know them and then try to live them out to the, under the control of the Holy Spirit. It means active care for one another. 
active care, concern, lived out sacrificially. Sacrificially. Above all else, you're doing it, he says, but keep doing it more and more earnestly. That word earnestly means the stretching. It means pain. It means aggressiveness. Since love covers a multitude of sins, verse 9, showing hospitality to one another without grumbling. Preferring others above ourselves. Think of that. Think of at least three ways you can show hospitality to others without grumbling. Oh, we may go through the motions of being courteous and kind and thoughtful, but with a bad attitude. Showing hospitality. What are three ways you can show hospitality to others? They're at home, out and about, without grumbling. Without complaining, he continues so showing hospitality without grumbling. He continues, verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Listen, the Bible teaches that everyone who is in Christ's family has been given a gift or an ability to minister in some way for the betterment of the family. Listen again. If the Holy Spirit has breathed life into you and awakened you to your sin and your need of Christ, okay, you see yourself as a sinner, that you need Christ. And if he's worked faith in you to believe in Christ to take your sin and you want to live for him and no longer for yourself, if he's birthed you into your fa- his family, you have been given a, at least one, spiritual gift. Maybe one. As Matthew 25 says, it may be two. It may be five, but everyone in Christ is given at least one spiritual gift. I'm asking you, can you identify your gift, your skill, your ability that the Holy Spirit has given you? You don't choose it. He gives it to you. Can you identify it, and are you using it for the betterment? Of others. What is yours? Are you using it for the betterment of others? Not using it for your own gratification, to look good, to get the applause of others. No, you do it as a servant. For that's the word that's being used there. What is your gift? Well, how do you know it? How do you know that ability that's given to you by the Holy Spirit? 
You enjoy doing something. You enjoy doing something. And others confirm it. They see you. They watch you. They listen to you. And they can say honestly, I believe your giftedness, your gift, your ability, your ministry is. They, they confirm it. They affirm you. And you really enjoy it. He uses two here. The first is teaching. That's a wonderful gift. The gift of teaching that may or may not be yours gift. But what is it that you can take and use and serve? Let's be very practical. Serving and ministering in the local family. It can begin, family, I'm serious. Changing a dirty diaper in the nursery. When you do it as unto Christ, you take it as a ministry of service. Is that a service ministry you can give? Not alone. You're always having at least two adults caring for our little ones. Our workers go through background checks. What a ministry. Caring for a little one. As unto Christ. And cooking. What a gift. The ability to cook. Not only for our meals here, but you are so good, family, in caring for the needs of others when they are ill, when they've had a baby, when they have had death. I just... I'm applauding you. And you were that way apart from me. I applaud you. That's service. That's ministry. Yard. But not only here, but then going outside of here. Going into the schools with good news clubs. Representing Christ. Going to the campuses like Springfield Elementary with Good News Club or college and university campuses or going to the elderly over at Bayberry Retirement Home. As we've had a team going there almost 20 years. Serving. Looking outside of ourselves in VBS and the way you go to the nation. To the nations, to the neighbors, to the nations. The prayer support, the financial support. Go, go, represent Christ to our neighbors and to the nations. Uh, The young man, young student, young boy, down in the Charleston, South Carolina area, would go into a particular restaurant and he would order french fries and water. French fries and water. Next time he'd go, french fries and water. Eventually, the owner-operator asked the young fella, 
in high school, why do you order French fries and water? And the boy was honest and said, well, that's all I can afford. Matter of fact, he was in school. He was having problems. He was not, he was running with the wrong crowd. Single mom trying to raise him. The owner-operator of that particular Chick-fil-A got a couple of sandwiches and said, let's go. We went outside, began talking. That went on every week for an extended time, having problems in school, running with the wrong crowd, probably going to get kicked out or drop out. Graduated, offered a scholarship, went to Presbyterian College in Clinton, South Carolina, went back to his home area in business, entered into politics. And when Senator Tim Scott, Senator from South Carolina, was sworn in as a United States Senator, thanked God for his mama and by name. The Chick-fil-A owner operator who loved him who showed him Christ, but not only spoke it, but lived it. As Senator Tim Scott's own testimony continues as one of our U.S. senators. Serving. Serving those you know. Serving those you don't know. Let's go back to the scripture, verse 10. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, what is your gift? Can you identify it? Do you know it? And are you using it? Look at it. As a good steward, as a good recipient of God's varied grace, his giftedness, his grace. Verse 11, whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Is that one of your abilities? You have to speak to large crowds, but one-to-one, small groups, larger groups. Speak the word of God. Point people to the truth that can set them free, not your opinions. Not the culture, but what does the Bible teach? Speaking the oracles, the words, the truth of God. Verse 11, whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. The other gift, ability, serving as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. 
Not in your own power, not in your own authority, but in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. In order that. Here's the bottom line. Here's the reason you're alive. In order that. In everything. Everything. God is glorified through Jesus Christ. When you stand before him, when you stand before the Father, because of Jesus Christ as your Savior, your Lord, your God, Will he say to you, you've been a good son, you've been a good daughter, you've been a good congregation, you've been a good family to these around you and to the nations through Jesus Christ to whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Is that what you're pursuing? Is this your passion to live for his glory. It's an everyday battle. I assure you, it's a battle because I live for comfort. I live for self-pleasure. And those are idols of which I have to daily repent, daily confess, and ask God, Lord, take what you will. Take anything and everything that you will. Take it away. Give whatever needs to be given for your glory. What's he saying? We're living in the last days. When's the last days? It began at Christ's resurrection. It will end when Christ comes again. And James warns us, teaches us in James that we are to live every day with that mentality. If God wills, we will go here, we will go there, we will do this, we'll do that. Live every day with the reality it could be your last day here on earth. That's what he's saying. Make plans, yes. Plan for the future, yes. With the realization that today may be your last day. Because Christ may return today. That's what Jesus says in Luke. When we least expect it, Christ is coming back. But apart from that reality, he may take you today. You may not see tomorrow from here. It's not to frighten us. It's reality. So that we'll live every day if God's will... We will go, we will do, if it's his will. But Lord, if it's not, whew, to live for your glory today. And if there is a tomorrow.
for tomorrow. Make that your passion. Make that your focus. To live for the applause of Christ. That you'll find your joy, your joy and gladness in him. Let's pray. Father Christ, for the joy set before him, went to the cross. He went to the cross. He scorned its shame. He took the judgment, your hell, your wrath and punishment upon himself that he might make for you a family as righteous and holy as he is holy and righteous. Work in all of our hearts, in our families, in our neighbors, in our nations, to these of North Africa, to Brent and Sarah and Grace and Hannah and Noah and Abigail. Work in their hearts for all of us throughout the nations to live for the praise and honor of your Son to find our joy, gladness in Him and use us to take these truths to our neighbors and to the nations. In your Son, in His name, authority we pray. Amen.